Father God, we give you thanks and praise for the great privilege we have of gathering here this morning. We ask that as we uh, listen to your word, that you would speak to our hearts and minds and that we might be transformed by your love. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just a little while ago, I met a guy called John. John was a remarkable man because John had faced death twice in his life. In his 30s, he was subject to road rage. He'd been driving along, and this car, unbeknownst to him, was following him along Liverpool Road. As he travelled, he finally stopped at a set of lights, and a man jumped out from his car with a gun and confronted him. By this time, John was out of his car, And all of a sudden, the man with the gun found himself on the ground without the gun. John knew martial arts. He was a black belt. He knew he was facing death and he knew that he had to face it quickly. Otherwise, he would be shot. But the reason that he knew martial arts was even more remarkable. And it was because as a teenager, he had died. He drowned. They'd pronounced him dead. And then in a way that he couldn't explain and was still a mystery to him, he came back to life. That event had changed his life. He had been searching year after year to try and make meaning of what had taken place. He ended up learning martial arts and joining Buddhism as a way of trying to deal with what is taking place in his life. It was a moment that changed his life. And yet, as I spoke with him, there was something very different about his facing of death and his coming back to life very different from what Jesus experienced and what Jesus has said. Now, there's lots of research into near-death experiences. There's a man um, called Peter Fenwick who'd been, who's studied near-death experiences for 30 years. And he's spoken to hundreds and hundreds of people who are interested in near-death experiences, people who have been pronounced dead and as it were, came back to life. And he said the usual things that they share are things like peace and calm, going down through the tunnel, meeting a being, being of light, going into a garden. These are all kind of common experiences. Now, there were some things that distinguished people from other people, but generally speaking, this was people's experience. And of course, as he spoke with them, he discovered that people's lives were changed. People's lives and perspective on life were changed. It made them more loving and caring of their neighbours and of their friends and of their families. Now, it's really interesting research and really interesting to see and talk with people who have had this near-death experience or who've died and come back to life again. But as we come to the Bible, what takes place with Jesus seems so different, it's hard to compare. What takes place with Jesus is is like a completely different order 
a completely different way of thinking about death and life. And this morning we see that particularly at the end of Matthew chapter 28. And I want you to come with me to look at Matthew chapter 28 and see what Jesus has to say and see what is recorded there so that we understand and get an insight into the great difference of the resurrection. It's not a near-death experience. It's something completely different. Let's engage what the Bible has to say this morning. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16. We read these words. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Already in the passage in chapter 28, we've heard twice that Jesus had told them to go to Galilee. He was pretty insistent that the disciples go to Galilee. In fact, we discover earlier on in the chapter these words. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus has been promoting this idea, I'm going to Galilee after I have risen. In fact, earlier on in Matthew's account, we find that Jesus has been talking about his death and resurrection. Go to I will go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. He's already given them knowledge that this will take place. Now, this knowledge was commonplace. It might surprise you to know that other people understood that Jesus was going to die and come back to life. And in the incident that we read about the guards in Matthew chapter 28 just a moment ago, we heard the guards being very concerned about the fact that the that Jesus may come back to life again. They thought that maybe the disciples would come and steal his body, so they better do something about it. They understood that there was this statement around that Jesus would die and come back to life. And so in Matthew 27, we read these words. While he was still alive, that deceiver said, this is the Pharisees speaking, after three days I will rise again. They'd heard him. They knew what was going on. Now, we know that it didn't quite sink in with his disciples. They hadn't heard that he was coming back to life again. We see that over and over again. They're completely surprised. But all the way through the account of Matthew, we see that it was expected. That it was planned. That, in fact, Jesus had said, when I die, meet me in Galilee. I wonder if you could ever say that. When I die, could you, could you meet me in Ride? I'll, I'll be over there, you know, a little later on or... I'll be down the south coast. I'll be on that farm. It'll be a nice place to get together. What's so different about Jesus' death and resurrection is that he knew he was going to die and he knew he was going to come back to life. The man John I spoke to had no idea. It was completely unexpected. Those who talk about their near-death experiences didn't expect to die and then come back to life. But Jesus did. Jesus understood that that was part of the plan. Jesus understood that this was always intended. And so Jesus tells people, even when they're not exactly hearing what he has to say. His death and resurrection is of a completely different order. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to rise again. And he saw it as God's 
part of God's plan for this world. To rescue this world. To redeem this world. To call this world back to himself. It was God's plan to reach into our lives to change where we are in order that we could have a future. And that's what Jesus is doing in his death and resurrection. It's interesting then to think about what Jesus' view of his own situation is. If we continue in the next set of verses, we read these words. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, he's meeting with the eleven now, they've made it to Galilee, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not, I'm trying to work out what it means to have died and come back to life. I'm not quite sure how to explain it. I've got to find an explanation. I've got to search and work out how to make sense of this experience in my life. No. I've come back to life and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority over the natural universe, over all the stars, over all the earth, over the little ants, over the whales, over you and me. All authority has been given to him over everything. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 1. Speaking of the Father, he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Jesus has authority over all, over everything. And Jesus' death and resurrection proves that he has authority over everything, even death. And he has this authority. We come under, as we gather this morning, his authority. What would you do if you had been given authority over everything? What would you do if you'd been given authority over the whole universe? Of, over everything that moves and breathes? What would you do with that kind of power? Just imagine for a moment. Would you make the best chocolate in the world? Would you become the most revered PhD student? Would you own a house in a really nice part of the world? What, what would, would, would you want to rule a country? Maybe you'd want to rule the world. Maybe you have some grand scheme in mind for solving everything. And, and you'd put that into place and, and see how that worked. What would you do if you'd been given all authority? If you were seated at the right hand of the Father... 
and had every title that can be given. What would you do with that? You see what Jesus does? It's extraordinary. He says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, he's speaking to his followers. He's speaking to the 11, to those puny group of people that that kind of had wandered away from him and had left him for dead. He says to them, all authority has been given me. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus' dream for this world is that we would go and make disciples. That's the implication. Making disciples is more than just seeing people come to a knowledge of Jesus, though, isn't it? It's seeing people established and encouraged and built up and learning what it means to follow Jesus. Baptizing them means, well, they actually become part of a community of God's people. So if Jesus is not just speaking to us individually here, he's speaking to us corporately. And he's saying, therefore, go and make disciples. I have all the authority in heaven and earth, and that's what I want you to do. It's astounding. Absolutely astounding. That's, that's what he would choose to do. That he would choose to call his disciples. He would choose to call us. To make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now I know this passage raises some questions. For some it raises questions about. Well, if Jesus has all the authority in heaven and earth, why isn't he doing something about some of the situations that we face? And I recognize that's a difficult question. That's something we need to sit and talk about and explore together. I know that raises doubts. For others here, you might say, well, hang on, how can I be part of a church that actually wants to evangelize, wants to tell other people and proclaim about Jesus? My religion's private. It's personal. I can't really be something of something of something that that wants to go baptizing people, making them disciples. That that that's too full on. I, I don't know whether I can belong to that. Well, it's interesting to read the words. You skip them over in verse seventeen. The disciples as they gather, listen to what happens to them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Despite all that, Jesus continued to send them. It says that there's room for us to explore together those doubts that we have. It says that Jesus recognises that 
this is hard, that this is complicated, that this might take time to explore together what this means. He's standing by his word, there's no doubt. That's his intention. It's clear. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to him and he wants us to go and make disciples, seeing people baptised and obeying everything that's been commanded. There's no doubt about that. But there's also this moment of understanding and moment of insight into what it might be like for us as well. You might find yourself here this morning on that kind of journey, unsure about what Jesus is saying here, overwhelmed by what he's asking. Well, I invite you to come with us as a church on this journey together. I invite you to come with us week by week to spend time in that Christianity Explored program, to consider what Jesus says, to to see him and to, to know him, to understand him as he really is, as he is revealed to us in God's word. To look at your doubts, to examine them and to understand them, to bring them before a God who understands that we have doubts and difficulties. And to say to him, I don't understand why, if you have all authority in heaven and earth, things aren't different. And I don't understand why you've called me to go and make this up. I don't get that. Please make sure you don't leave those questions just there. Please make sure you come with us on a journey and explore those things together. Jesus concludes, or Matthew concludes his book with these words, with the words of Jesus. And he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When I spoke to John, he was just happy to be alive. When you speak to Jesus, he says, I will be with you forever. I will walk by your side forever. Both now and forever. Trust me. I am the one who is resurrected. I have been given all power and authority. Trust me.